Welcome to the Far From Average podcast, where we speak about topics and interview people who are far from average. And I truly mean it when I say we have a very special guest with us here today. Six figure, a six figure sales earner, parenting coach, and a whole lot more. Ebony Cass, aka my mom. Go ahead and introduce yourself, mom. Hi, guys. I'm Ebony Cass. I'm a parenting coach, founder of RR Parenting, where I teach parents how to heal themselves in order to be better intentional parents. Amazing, amazing. We're going to get into the story because a lot a lot about what I speak about and my journey learning about credit and financial literacy overall stems from the things that you had shown me when when I was young. So let's take it back to that point. I don't know if you remember but when I had I think I had just turned 16 and I was asking you for a new car. When I asked you for that, what made when I said I wanted to get a brand new BMW, what made you instead of just saying no, what made you, what made you show me your credit reports and kind of give me a foundation and plant the seed on what I should know or what I should have in order to get what I want? Um I had been through that same situation and wanting a new car. I remember um being 18 years old not having a vehicle, seeing my friends get new cars. So I wanted a car as well. And uh, neither one of my parents were in a situation to get me a car. So I'm from Los Angeles, land of the hookups. So um, I had a friend who had a, um, her older sister who knew a guy who was able to um, get people in cars. So I was like, well, hook me up. I want to meet this guy. So I went to go see this guy. I was 18 years old. I had $400 in my pocket. Uh, I didn't even have a driver's license, but I wanted a car. That's how crazy things were back then. But I went to see this guy, an older black guy, and he goes, "Uh, how much money you got? I give him 400 bucks. I have no credit. And he's letting me leave in a brand new Nissan Altima. Now, he told me the stipulations with him getting this car that he wanted me to come back in two years and get a new car and make sure I had my financials in order, pay my payments on time, make sure I was at least making $4,000 a month. So that was my introduction to financial literacy and learning how to purchase a car from a perfect stranger. So fast forward, the day you asked me, my mental literally went back to that day uh-huh. and I knew that it was my duty to have you do things the right way because a stranger, a complete stranger taught me. Wow. Okay. That's powerful. Now when, when you did, when you showed me what, why is it that most parents are when someone at, when a switch situation like that comes up, they're like, this is grown folks business. I'm not supposed to show you how much money I make, how much, what my credit score is, how much credit card debt, because you were even showing me like the credit card debt and kind of give me a breakdown of why, even though you're making money, what's kind of holding us back. Why, why did you decide or why do you think that most people aren't as open with their children as you were? I just believe that it's generational. You know, you don't know what you, what you don't know. And I think that a lot of parents, their parents, parents didn't show them and their parents didn't show them. But I was uncomfortable with that. I was uncomfortable with having my children not be set up for success. I was very uncomfortable. So what happens when you're uncomfortable? You, you make a shift. Right. You make a change. So, you know, the, the home is essentially 
the university and parents should be the teachers. So right. who is going to teach you the right way if right. I didn't teach you? And the only way to teach you is to actually show you that was. And look, now you completely understand. Right. You overstand right. because I showed you, look, this is the money that's coming in. This is what we're saving. This is what is for bills. This is how much I pay in taxes. I literally showed you everything, whether I was making $15 an hour or multiple six figures. I never left you out of the conversation because I wanted you to have a head start on your finances. Right, absolutely. And that's huge because... It, like you said, it gave me that jump start, and I, I was able to understand because I think a lot of the times when we go out into adulthood, we kind of just don't understand enough of the concepts and the the amount of money that we need to sustain the, the kind of life that we want. Like I remember, I went to you, and I was like, I want to be a teacher. <laughs> Do you remember that? Absolutely. I was like, I want I want to be a teacher, and you were like, Well, <laughs> based on the things that you're saying, there's no way that the, a teacher's salary will be able to provide you with that kind of life. Exactly. And shout out to teachers. That's a very noble profession. Right, they should absolutely. be making way more. But I knew that the type of person that you were, that wasn't going to work out for you. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was huge. Now, take us back even more. When you first moved out to Las Vegas, you were born and raised in L.A. Then we moved out to uh, Apple Valley, California. What made you make the jump, even though, because were you in a, a, a good spot? Because I was little when this happened. Uh, I was in a good spot. I I was doing sales. I was making money. But what made me move, uh, you know, tragic life change. Um, my husband went to prison, and he was going to be there for a very long time. So I wanted to just have a fresh start and have a new foundation for you guys. And, uh -huh. you know, just put myself in a better mindset. Um, mindset to be a better mom because it was going to be everything is all totally different single mom so it was best to do a fresh start uh -huh. to give you guys a fresh start so what do, what should parents know or what what's like three core things to becoming a better parent so you can set your kids up for success um the first thing you should um know is you know we your children aren't you and you aren't your parent. So whatever is holding you back, you know, we all have things that we didn't like growing up, traumas, generational curses, so to speak. So you have to address those things, whatever it is. Um, Halloween's coming up. This is like a great story for me because yep, uh, story. Uh, Halloween's coming up and you and your sister have always loved Halloween. Right, I still do. Still do. Um, it was your absolutely favorite holiday. And as a, I became a young adult, I started not to like Halloween at all. And God has a great sense of humor because I, he would give me two kids that is there. They love Halloween more than Christmas. And growing up in L.A., I didn't realize that how much I didn't like Halloween because every Halloween, one of my friends got jacked for their Jordans trick-or-treating. Mm -hmm. You know, I had cousins that tried to go trick-or-treating in a nice neighborhood, got, you know, harassed, bullied by some white kids. They end up beating the white kids up. They went to jail. And these were little kids that went to jail. I'm talking 10, 11 years old, wow. locked up. It was on the news. Like, so, you know, people getting their chains snatched on Halloween. Just something crazy always happened in South Central on Halloween. Dang. So I had to recognize that and say, hey, that was my experience. This won't be my kids' experience. They're going to have fun. They're going to enjoy their childhood, you know. And 
their experience doesn't have to be mine. That's what we. That's one thing you have to know. Okay, so their experience, breaking the generational curses and understanding that the ex, your experiences don't have to be theirs. Number two. Number two would be just um, being an intentional parent. And when I say intentional parent is know who your children are as people and focus on their strengths rather than their weaknesses. And like me and you used to have conversations about this because you would say, well, why do you always let my sister do this and I have to do that? (laughs) Because you guys were two different people. Right. So I had to focus on what your strengths. I I knew, you know, you were a better student. You knew how to politic. You, you're yeah. going to go to school. You're going to get things done. Her, she not so much. She didn't like school from the first day I dropped her off in, in kindergarten. <laughs> right. So I had to parent her different in that way and focus on, oh, she's very creative. You know, she knows how to put stuff together. She's a self-starter. So just knowing who your children are as individuals and parenting in that way. Okay, knowing who your children are. And then do you have a third one for us? Uh, The third one would be just be their biggest cheerleader and whatever they want to do. You know, I I know it's it's hard sometimes. Sometimes, you know, your kid will come to you with an idea and you're like, I do not think this is going to work. This is crazy. But that's not really up to you to decide because you really don't know. They could have the best idea in the world. And you it's up to us as parents to lay that foundation and give them that space to be creative and be fearless and, you know, just try new things that that's huge. Yeah. Doing that is incredibly important. But what what I'm concerned about or as far as generational curses, some that you mentioned. Why do you why do you think in your personal opinion cuz we we understand that it happens but why do you think people continue to perpetuate that same cycle of you know single parenthood or that's just how we do it uh my grandma did this my mom did this so we just continue the same thing without even really taking notice of it that's the key you have to take notice of it i was watching um a documentary on generational curses and the guy was saying how his wife made the best pot roast in the world. It's so delicious. And she would always cut both ends off of the pot roast. Uh-huh. And he's like, babe, is that what makes it so flavorful? You cut both ends off of the pot roast? And she goes, I don't know. My mom does it. So that's why I do it. Mm-hmm. So he goes to his mother-in-law. Hey, mother-in-law. So you cut both ends off of the pot roast to make it taste good. Is that why you do it? And she goes, I don't need, I don't know. My mom does it, so that's why I do it. Uh-huh. So he went to the grandmother. Hey, Grandma, why do you cut both ends off of the pot roast? Is that to make it taste good? She goes, I stopped doing that years ago. Back in the day, I used to do it because my pan was so small, I couldn't afford a big one. Wow. So I had to cut it to fit my pot roast <laughs> Not in Not even it. knowing why they're doing it. They don't even know why they're doing it. So, you know, a lot of times we just think that, you know, like let's. I'm going to use politics for an example, you know, Black people often vote Democrat. Right. They don't know why. No, my grandmother was a Democrat. Yep. My great-grandmother was a Democrat. We just vote Democrat. They can't really tell you anything about the Democratic Party, what they Nothing. stand for, what they've done for black people, but they just it's know. It's just what it is. It is what it is. So, yeah, the first step is just being willing to identify, you know. Uh-huh. I was having a conversation with um, one of my clients, and you know, she was unhappy with her daughter who's in her early 20s having, you know, having kids by multiple men, you know, not married, three different men. And the client herself 
has done that as well. And I mm. said, did you have a conversation with her early on and say, hey, this is not the way to go? I know like I set make the standard. Did set the standard. Like, okay, I'm a single mother. I have a daughter. My daughter's 18. People have always told her, oh, you know, your mom has it all together. You have a good life. You travel. No, I need to be honest with her and say, no, I don't want you to be a single mother. Get married. Find a nice man that is, you know, has some standards, some family values that you can raise a nice family with. This is not how it's supposed to be done. Right. I don't care how great it looks. It's not the way to go. Okay. Elaborate on that because <laughs> you got to elaborate on that because that's almost something we see it in like in in a lot of black movies in in the black media a lot. You're a single mother, but you just said that's not the right way or how it should Absolutely be done. Absolutely not. Absolutely I mean, I haven't not. heard I haven't heard that because we when we hear the conversation about single mothers, we hear about you know empowerment, this that. So you don't think it's the right way. Absolutely like not. not. You uh -huh. need a two-parent household. It was very difficult. There, there were days that I was at work on my shift, and I would leave and come to your basketball game uh -huh. just so you could see my face there for 10 minutes, and they'd be calling me at work, and I'd be saying I was in the bathroom. Dang. And I would hurry up and speed back. If there was a father there to be there, I wouldn't have to be up under that pressure. Right. But because... You know, I made it look so good. I smiled while I was doing it. I held my head high. Uh -huh. You know, doesn't mean that it's the correct way. Right. It's what happened, but you don't want that to be the blueprint. It is not the blueprint. I do not. You know, I hear young girls saying, you know, I'm going to have this baby on my own and take care of it. My mama did it. My grandma did it. Well, they did it the wrong way, sis. Wow. And mentioning basketball, do you remember when I had told you that I didn't want to play? basketball anymore and quite a few family members had called me some that I ain't spoke to in <laughs> 10 plus years but um gave me a call and you spoke about being supportive of your children's ideas what were you thinking in that moment when I told you that well what I was thinking in that moment you know you had um progressed so much in basketball so everybody was looking forward, you know, in the end. And it was know, in the last two years I progressed the, the most. Yeah. You know, family members were coming to your games, you know, you know, even coaches that previous coaches reaching out like, oh, man, he's progressed. You know, we sat down, even though you, it wasn't like major colleges, you know, you still had some offers. You had some opportunities yeah. there. So um, in that moment. When you said you didn't want to do it, you know, I've always been a fan not making you do what you don't want to do. And I'm just like, oh, we're just going to have to figure it out. We're going to have right. to, whatever it is, he's going to have to stand on my shoulders. That's the purpose of me working hard until we figure out what he wants to do. Right. Absolutely. And I think the moment when I realized it is I think we were, uh, it was after my, I think it was after my last high school game. And then those two coaches came over to the house for the college in Washington and I was only getting 50%. And I was like, 50%? Right. And then they were like, oh, uh, what do you want to go to school for? And I, I just said sports medicine. I didn't really know. Sports medicine, medicine or journalism because I ran the newspaper in high school. So like, okay, that, that'll probably be, you know, a decent career. And then I start looking up the salaries. You love looking up salaries. Yeah. <laughs> I start looking up the salaries. I'm like. 
I don't know if this is going to be worth it in the end. Like, I didn't want to be 25 years old, and the only skill that I have is basketball. So for parents, how should they direct their children to find their strengths and weaknesses, like you said earlier, step one? Just, you know, let them explore. I mean, they can always get a job. You know, I understand Parents have different financial situations. That's why, too, it's important early on, no matter how much money you have, to, you know, set your kids up. Even, you know, your kid can have better credit than you, and that's okay, you know, to set your kids up. But there's just so many options. I don't think that we are exploring options. I mean, sales, they can go into real estate, they can sell insurance, they can go to trade school, you can be an electrician, a plumber. I think, especially as black people, we're just too tunnel vision on you know basketball our kids playing sports you think your son's going to be the next LeBron and buy you a big house and that's fine and dandy too but you know there's there's millionaires you know doing Amazon drop shipping or you know like writing books public speaking what you're doing there's there's so many options out there I just think as parents we just need to be more supportive and explore every avenue before we just tell our kids this is the only way to do things because going to college is just not for everybody number one is very expensive you know and you could find yourself somewhere else you don't have to find yourself (laughs) sixty thousand dollars in debt yeah yeah that's not the place to really find yourself and to kind of expand on the whole rapper or you didn't say rapper but i'm saying rapper what I notice is, and the reason that, one, I want to continue to do the podcast and kind of just showcase my journey is because a lot of a lot of dudes, especially because I'm a, a taller, bigger dude, so anytime I go out or I, you know, pull up in a nice car, have nice stuff on, people are assuming that I play basketball. And not only do we box ourselves in, but I've seen so many people who stopped playing basketball, and the first thing that, that they went to do is become a rapper, and w- which is fine. We need entertainment. We need— We have enough entertainers, guys. You can be a police officer, a firefighter. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, you can be in tech. There's so, many, there's so many options. I just feel like, for whatever reason, we choose to ignore them because I remember I got pulled over by this, uh, by this black police officer. And he was like, you know, your tax, well, not your tax. He was like, you know, you're supposed to go get your plates by now. And I was like, oh, my, my, um, the DMV doesn't have appointments for another two months. Like I, I have an email for my appointment. And then he was like, is this your car? And I was like, yeah, this is my car. He was like, you like a, a rapper? You like an athlete? Like, what do you do? I was like, permission to reach in the glove box. And he was like, yeah, go ahead. And then I handed him my book. And he was like, he was like, no way. Yes way. Yeah. Like my thing is why not you just because I'm physically larger than most people, I'm still not even the average height of an NBA player. People don't even understand that because they haven't even seen them in real life. The average height of an NBA player is six foot six. I'm six foot four. And once I stopped playing basketball, I was thinking about my other options. I was like, I can't rap. Like, like I would suck. So let's say you're, you're a parent and you're dealing with a kid like that. That's like, I'm going to go be a rapper now. 
what can you do to help steer them in other directions? Because there's nothing wrong with, you know, pursuing rap. But you got to find a way to get money. Right now, if your kid wants to be a rapper, I'm telling my child it's a dangerous job. Why? Uh, There's a rapper getting killed every day. Just right. saying. It's a dangerous job. If they make it look glamorous. You're probably going to have a slave contract. Um, you know, it's just definitely, it's, it's not worth it. I mean, I, I say do it for hobby. You know, still make your beats. But don't let that, you don't want to kick their bike over and be a dream killer. In that right, regard. Because walking on that fine line of directing them in the right, and I don't want to say realistic way, but I guess you could say more practical. And how I look at it is I can I can increase and up my skills for being a public speaker, being a salesman, being an author. Like I, there's a definitive way. I purchase a course. I do what it is that I need to do. And I repeat it over and over and over again. There is no method like that for me to become taller, for me right. to become more athletic. So it's not about being realistic, but I'm big on the numbers. Is there any way that I can skew the numbers for what it is that I'm trying to do? As opposed to basketball, there was no way for me to skew and increase my probability because increasing my probability would mean growing taller. <laughs> like, like it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily make sense. So how do you walk on that fine line between giving practical advice and standing in a realistic direction and being a dream killer? Well, it depends on the relationship. You know, every parent has a different relationship with their children. If you have a great rapport, you've been a parent, you've been there. Um, it goes back to what I said, knowing your kids. You know your talent level. You know, some of these guys that want to rap, they actually really don't have a chance let's right. just let's just be honest zero but if you if you know your child has some talent I mean that's a different story you right. know maybe let them explore and you know see what else they're good at as well just because being a rapper is just like trying to get in the NBA so to speak there's only you know so many spots only millions of applicants only a handful of jobs right only so many Drakes and Kendrick Lamars there's on J. Cole's there's only going to be so many of those right. guys you Tell know, so it. just depends on, you know, how passionate they are about it. If they really putting in work and, you know, up all night in the studio, hey, maybe they have a chance. But um, uh -huh. for me, you know, it's when you have children that are creative, you got to be willing to go on that ride. Just It's just like marrying somebody that's a, a creative. <laughs> uh -huh. And they like, you're going to rock with me. You, you know, I'm trying to figure it out. It's the same thing with having a child that's creative. Sometimes they have too much talent. I have two of them. Trust me. You know, after you after your sister saw you do it, she's like, oh, yeah, I'm not about to go work for nobody. I'm going to be an entrepreneur, too. Yeah, that so, was good. Yeah, that was excellent. So just watching her go on her journey and figure it out, you know, and being patient with her. And, hey, invest in your kids because if you don't believe in them, who will? I don't care Ooh. what it is. You're going to spend some money on them anyway. If you can buy them some Jordans, if they want to make beats, you can buy them a machine. You know, if yeah. you know they want to go be a realtor, you can buy them a laptop. When you pass your real estate exam, yep, you got me the laptop. I'm like, okay, here's your app. You know, here's a reward for that. Then it's something you can use. So yeah. you have to invest in your kids. You're going to spend money on them anyway. It's not always about dressing them up, letting them look cute, buying them Jordans, <laughs> buy them stuff that will actually help them. You know? Ooh, yeah. And I mean, that's, that's a huge and major gem. 
But why do you think parents are reluctant to invest in their kids? Because like you said, they'll have an outfit for them before they invest in some equipment to get to the next level. Like I said, man, it's generational. They didn't, they didn't see anybody do it. Nobody did it for them. You know, I know nobody did it for me. I had so many ideas, big dreams. You you know, I, I have a huge circle of friends that I grew up with that yeah. went, went on to do entertainment stuff, sports stuff. But for me individually, my parents were caught up in their own thing. Like my mom, she had two sons that passed away back to back. You know, uh, my father was dealing with that. Like, they were dealing with their own trauma. They didn't even have time to support me. They didn't know. I don't want to say they intentionally didn't do it. They were just sometime as humans, period, we get caught up. Right. And, like, I, me personally, I refuse to get caught up in my own BS, my own trauma. Like, it's done. Something has to change. Somebody has to come along and say no. This is where my bloodline needs to be in greatness. Like whatever it takes to get you where you want to go, uh-huh. that's what we're going to do. Absolutely. Now, to kind of go way back, because what interests me about, because as I hear more about your childhood, it seems just as much as glamorous as it was traumatic. That's a fact. Because you, you tell me about going to high school with like celebrity people who are celebrities now. So give us a briefing of some of the things that you identified when you were young that your parents did or people around you did and how you stopped them from creeping into the next generation. Okay. To give you an example, you know, growing up as a small child, um, I grew up in a, a huge house, Rolls Royce in the yard. You know, my mom, she had a nightclub at the time called the Ebony Room, named after yours truly. Um, my dad was working in um, the grocery business, you know, probably earning six figures or whatever he was doing. And I had three brothers and a sister. I'm the youngest of five. Mm-hmm. And at the time, um, to my understanding, you know, my, my parents, they were also into pharmaceutical activities. <laughs> I had a my uncle um, who recently passed away, he was a celebrity hairstylist for all the big names back in the day, the Shaka Khan, the Rick James, all these people. And so my parents were, you know, suppliers of pharmaceuticals to some of these people. Uh So we, you know, they had their legal business and they had that. And as they were caught up in that, we were living in a nice neighborhood. It was like right on the edge of nice. And then the hood was on the other side. Is that where you took us that one time? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I had three older brothers. They got involved with gang activity, you know, and like our house got shot up multiple times. Like it it, it was it was crazy. So. Oh, my God. (laughs) Just have flashbacks right now. But, you know, so just seeing all these things and then, you know, fast forward, you know, my one of my brothers passed away in the L.A. County jail and the following year, the other one was gunned down. And uh, that's when my, you know, my my mom was deep into her depression, drug use. And, you know, my dad was trying to figure it out. You know, him and I left to go live with my grandmother. So it was just all, it was just crazy. So I'm just watching all this stuff as a young child. Uh Just, you know, and I was always very, you know, mature, if you will. And I'm just watching it all like, this is crazy. So I had to work through all of that stuff on my own because my parents weren't like, we weren't talking about this. It wasn't like we're going to therapy, you know, 
they we were just in it. Right. You know, so as I got older, I just had to figure out, you know, a way to handle that stuff. It was it was it was very chaotic. Yeah. And what did you do to handle it? Healthy Man. and unhealthy. Um, to handle it, it was crazy because um, my childhood friend who you uh, recently met. Um, yes. When um, when we met, we, we had similar home lives in regards to our mothers. And I think that's what bonded us instantly. Uh-huh. And even though we were going through all this stuff, we always had money. Like she always had money, always had money. Like as young teenagers, we walking around with thousands of dollars. Uh-huh. So and. We just were always smiling. We had our gold chains and our Jordan. So nobody even knew what we were going through in our home life. So we kind of had each other for that support. And, you know, just hanging out, football games, you know, still was a straight A student, getting good grades and all that good stuff. But just, you know, having fun, you know, escaping with a good group of friends. We weren't too bad. We were good, but we just would be outside, so to speak. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, is there anything... Or any words of wisdom that you would give to a parent who wants to break the generational curse? But like you said, they're in it. They are in it. Dude, it's, it's hard being in it. You you just have to, like I said, you got to heal from all that stuff and just, just recognize that, no, I want better. And then as a parent that's in it like that, you can identify easy, like, our kids, most of the, my friends, our kids are growing up, quote unquote, way bougier than we than we did. Like uh-huh. they didn't see the stuff that we saw, you know, growing up. Like um, so, you are able to identify when something's off with your kid, or they have a friend. You know, you guys have friends, and I'm like, I don't like this person. Yeah, like I don't, uh, uh-uh, sketchy. Yeah. Like this person's, <laughs> a, I could tell this person is high off something else other than marijuana, uh-huh. you know, or whatever the case may be. So you you just got to heal through that stuff and be identi- uh, able to identify with your kids and just be transparent about everything. You know, everything is not always grown folks business. Mm. Sometimes it's family business and the kids are a part of the family. So they need to know what's going on and it helps them have a better understanding of themselves. You know, as you guys got older, I spoon fed you information because it helps you understand who you are as a person. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, you dropped a lot of gems in this interview. Where or what do you got going? Because I know you got something going. You said you had uh, you're working with some clients. So for all the parents out there that want to get in contact or get some of your resources, where should where should they go? Uh, right now, just find me on Instagram at I am Ebony Cass. I'm currently, you know getting R&R parenting and that's real and raw parenting off the ground where we're just, you know, we just rip the bandaid off and, and talk about it all because you cannot be a good parent and set a strong foundation for your children. If you just don't, you don't rip off the band-aids and get your inner work and get yourself together. Yes, absolutely. So R&R parenting, we're going to leave all of the links to all her resources and everything right down below and her Instagram as well. Thank you for tuning into this episode and I'll see you on the next one. Peace.